0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. My name is Richard Bryant, and I am your host. It's May 7th, 2020. This is the Corona Chronicles, Day 56. Hello, everyone. Before we get started with today's news and notes, I wanted to let you know it's true. Yesterday, I took a day off. I needed a moment to recharge and collect myself, so I could come back today and bring you the news and notes better than ever. So, without further ado, here we go. From Variety.com, exhibitors facing challenges as some German states reopen cinemas. This was posted by Ed Mesa. Cinemas in a number of German states are set to reopen in May after being shuttered since mid-March due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, but the decision has led to complications for theater owners. North Rhine-Westphalia, Germany's most populous state with 17.5 million inhabitants, was first to announce that it would allow theaters to reopen on May 30th. Saxony and schleswig holstein followed suit with planned reopenings on May 18th. Germany began reopening some non-essential shops on April 20th, and following a conference on Wednesday with Chancellor Angela Merkel, state leaders agreed to independently ease restrictions further throughout May. The country's federal system, like in the U.S., gives state governments a great deal of power, coupled with the fact that the intensity of the pandemic has varied from state to state. Regional efforts to ease lockdowns differ in terms of timelines. Christian Brouwer, chair of the AG Kino Independent Cinema Association and managing director of Berlin's York Kino Group, welcomes the fact that state leaders are now dealing with the exhibition sector, but he notes that the situation is not easy. It's a complex market. It's not like you can just call a supermarket and get a pallet delivered the next day. A dearth of films, lack of detailed safety guidelines from the individual states, and so far no real coordination between theater owners and film distributors across the country, have all made the prospect of reopening cinemas a complicated matter. Merkel on Wednesday announced the relaxing of regulations in some areas, such as shops, schools, outdoor protests, and religious services, as long as a 1.5-meter distance between people is observed. But states will decide independently on the reopening of cinemas, theaters, restaurants, and other places of social gathering. The 1.5-meter distance guideline may prove too costly for both film distributors and cinemas, which could see total capacity drops of 70% to 75% due to the regulations. We need a coordinated plan that includes a timeline and conditions, Brower stressed. You can't have five states in Germany where cinemas are open and 11 where they are not open. It's not good if it continues like that for several weeks. It's positive news that cinemas can start again, but there are just too many unknowns. Brouwer added that open-air cinemas could begin operation soon with the entire exhibit market ideally following in mid-June. That would provide enough time for cinemas and film distributors to prepare. All of Germany's 16 states would have to be in agreement, however. Situations in the U.S. and other European countries will also play a deciding factor, Brouwer stressed. German cinemas will not be showing Christopher Nolan's Tenet, scheduled for release in Germany on July 16th, or Disney's Mulan, due out on July 23rd, before the release is stateside, he noted. While the COVID-19 pandemic has battered the German economy, the country has managed the crisis better than many other countries, and government leaders have been eager yet cautious about easing the lockdown. We have achieved the goal of slowing the spread of the virus because our citizens have behaved responsibly and saved the lives of others, Merkel said Wednesday. To date, there have been a total of 1, 166,091 confirmed cases and 7,119 deaths in Germany. Continuing in cinema news, Norway cinemas can reopen, but for many, it's too soon. This was posted by Elsa Kislasi. Movie theaters in Norway will be allowed to reopen on Friday after a near two-month shutdown, but drastic sanitary measures and the dearth of new films mean many cinemas are staying closed. Approved last week, the government's decision to jumpstart theaters caught exhibitors by surprise, and many haven't had enough time to get prepared, meaning it will be a soft launch, according to Ivar Hovsted, who previously ran the SF Kino in Odeon Cinema Chains in Norway and has been advising exhibitors body, film, and Kino. The current health guidelines are limited admissions to 50 people per screen with a minimum of one meter in between each patron and one in every two rows remaining empty. That means in an auditorium of 200 seats, only 50 tickets can be sold, said Jan Langlo, who heads the country's network of cinematechs on behalf of the Norwegian Film Institute. The Cinematech in Oslo is set to open one of its screens this weekend with Joanna Hogg's The Souvenir and classics like Casablanca and Harold and Maud, among others. Meanwhile, groups of five people will be allowed into theaters on the condition that they live in the same household, explained Truss Foss, head of programming at Vega Scene, a three-scene arthouse theater in Oslo that is one of the few venues that will reopen. We'll only be opening our big screen of 191 seats, since our two smaller auditoriums of 74 seats couldn't welcome more than 19 to 20 people under the guidelines, said Foss. Vega Scene will be open from Friday to Sunday and again from Thursday to Saturday next week with a slate of nine movies, including returning titles such as Waves, Parasite, The Farewell, and the Norwegian premiere of Roy Anderson's About Endlessness, as well as two sneak premieres of Pharrell Peterson's Danish drama Uncle and the Japanese animated feature Weathering With You. It's going to be a huge loss in terms of ticket sales, but we want to try it out and see how the new conditions work. Eventually, we'll all reopen, so we're just testing the waters before the big chains open, said Foss, who hopes the government will increase the cap on admissions per screen for 50 to 200 people in a couple of weeks. The country's two main cinema circuits, Nordisk Film and the AMC-owned Odeon Kino, which represented a 27.2% and 29.3% market share, respectively, in 2019 will remain for the most part shuttered for at least several weeks. One of North Film's 21 cinemas, only one venue in Oslo will reopen on Friday with 50% of its staff. Odeon Kino, meanwhile, will keep its nine theaters shuttered until the summer. Two theaters that are partially controlled by Odeon and local municipalities will open in Stavanger this week and in Bergen next week. We are making good progress on plans for reopening our cinemas as part of these plans. Any large-scale reopening of our cinemas will be dependent on having a strong film slate in place for our guests to enjoy and currently this begins with Tenet and Milan in July, said Jan Einar Siverstein, the regional commercial director of Odeon Kino. Nordisk Film's CEO, Janik Hogan, said that if everything goes according to plan, Nordisk Film will open an additional 11 cinemas by May 15. It will take a while, though, before all 21 of our Norwegian cinemas are open again, said the executive. Week one programming for the single Nordisk Film c- Cinema that will open will have a combination of old and new films some of which are already available to to stream, including The Farewell, Emma, Bloodshot, The Invisible Man, The Gentleman, Parasite, Sonic, Onward, and Spies in Disguise. Of course, it is important there are strong new films in our cinemas. Right now, many film distributors are holding back and waiting for more territories to open around the world before releasing their new titles, said Haugen. I am not worried about there not being enough films for the future but we could end up with a situation where the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021 is totally packed with new films, said the veteran exhibitor. Agen said she urged distributors to release some of the bigger titles during the summer to drive more guests to cinemas when we are opening again. Page two. Here's some stories from our friends at whatsonstage.com. Trafalgar Entertainment acquires Theatre Royal Sydney. This this article was presented by Alex Wood. The venue plans to reopen in August 2021. London-based global company Trafalgar Entertainment has acquired Theatre Royal Sydney, the Australia-based venue, which is scheduled to open in August 2021, will not only stage live works, but also stream productions from other markets, presented by Trafalgar Entertainment's subsidiary, Trafalgar Releasing. Trafalgar Entertainment's Howard Panter and Rosemary Squire said, in these difficult times, this is a very good news for Sydney, New South Wales, and for the future of live entertainment. We would like to pay tribute to the farsightedness and confidence of the NSW government. We believe that TE has something special to offer and look forward to working alongside our new partners in this enterprise. Like so many, our industry is enduring highly challenging circumstances as a result of the covid-19 pandemic however looking to the future we believe that live entertainment and the creative industries will have a crucial part to play in recovery and renewal the company has regularly co-produced shows in australia including warhorse for those of you who are into video games and the life simulation game animal crossing this is this story is for you The Yard Theater announces Animal Crossing performance as part of Free Digital Festival. This event will take place later this month. The Yard Theater has announced a brand new one-day digital festival that will be taking place on May seventeenth, including a performance on Animal Crossing. The venue will present a variety of work from 12 p.m. onwards. Over the course of 11 hours, artist Stacey Makishi will be hosting a one-to-one performance piece over the phone, while from 12.30 p.m., the venue's new associate director, Anthony Simpson Pike, will run an online town hall discussing Rebuilding Better. Zoe's Ghana Kitchen and Jemima Mayala will present a Sunday lunch cook-along from 2.30 p.m. to 3.30 p.m., examining food and the community in and around the yard. From 6 p.m., there will be an online performance of Christopher Green's No Show, while from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m., Marcus Cry Cry Cry, also known as Malik Nashad Sharp, will perform an interactive choreographic work exploring themes of isolation, described as a workout for the apocalypse. To wrap up the event, Eastern Margins will host a virtual party including a performance of hit platform Animal Crossing. It runs from 9 to 11 p.m. and will dissect the idea of community in the current circumstances. The event will be hosted a brand new site created by The Yard, which will be launched next week. You can find out more on the venue's website. In other top picks from what's on stage, you can find articles such as headline new musical creates creators invite audiences to help them make the show in isolation. Rebecca Atkinson Lord and Rebecca Applin will present their new musical cautionary tale in a whole new way this summer. Development on the show was interrupted by the lockdowns, meaning workshop performances were forced to be canceled. Atkinson-Lord and Applin have now created a new workaround to control the show's growth. To learn more about this, please visit whatsonstage.com. Other headlines? Styles and Drew, six composers and more to create many online works performed by West End stars. The Lyric Hammersmith Theater to stream A Doll's House this month. The National Theater's Rufus Norris, Says, without support, we're under by the end of the year. And finally, the National Theater to stream new show including Tom Hiddleston in Coriolanus and Barbershop Chronicles. So be sure to check out What's On Stage at whatsonstage.com. Page 3. These stories come from our friends at playbill.com. New York City's Shelter Studios closes its door after 30 years. This was presented by Olivia Clement. The Theater District fixture featuring rehearsal studios and performance spaces has shuttered. After 30 years in business, New York City's Shelter Studios has closed its doors for good. The Theater District mainstay, which has long provided rehearsal studios and performance spaces to the community, is unable to financially recover during the extended closure caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Path to recovery is simply too steep for a small company, reads a statement. The company's founder and owner, Ron Shelter, and managing artistic director Robin A. Harrison shared on the Shelter Studios Instagram. Compromising 35 studios and located at the corner of Broadway and West 54th Street, Shelter Studios has supported countless theater, dance, and music projects from audition to rehearsal to performance. Started in 1990 and opened seven days a week, The building has been a creative and community hub for artists across various disciplines, providing affordable space in the heart of the theater district. You can read the following statement from the company's leadership on their Instagram page. Also from our friends at Playbill, Broadway Dreams launches virtual training intensives. This was presented by Ruthie Fierberg. In lieu of the Summer Performing Arts Intensive Tour, the nonprofit offers online training from pros like Spencer Liff, Rob McClure, and Elizabeth Stanley. International Arts Education nonprofit Broadway Dreams has re-envisioned their usual Summer Performing Arts Intensive Tour as a series of week-long virtual intensives, beginning June 1st in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. As is their expertise, Broadway Dreams will offer integrated training in voice, dance, and acting using online classrooms and streaming technology, and welcome a roster of instructors that includes Alex Acebo, Nick Adams, Kelly Barrett, Natasha Diaz, Matt Gardner, Jason Gauthier, Tyler Haynes, Christopher Hank, Luke Hodkins, Victor Jackson, Morgan James, Josh Lehman, Spencer Liff, Michelle Lynch, Rob McClure, Paul McGill, Nicole Parker, Samantha Polino, Ryan Redmond, Noah Ricketts, Mimi Skardula, Matthew Scott, and Elizabeth Stanley. Broadway Dreams will offer three one-week intensives, starting June 1st through the 5th, followed by July 6th through the 10th, and ending with August 3rd through the 7th. Typically, each week-long features masterclasses in a designated track, be it acting, dance, or vocals, in addition to audition workshops and rehearsals for a fully-produced show presented at the end of the week. One director helps the production with core faculty directing individual segments. With The digital program students will offer a final relevant and authentic presentation utilizing our storytelling art form in a new way. The June program called Broadway's Best focuses on all aspects of musical theater. Spencer Lev directs with faculty including Ryan Redman, Noah Ricketts, and celebrity choreographer Victor Jackson. Broadway's Best will also feature additional one-time masterclasses and special guests. In July, Broadway Dreams goes live from Los Angeles to address the intersection of stage and screen. The August session, Booking It, will focus on the audition process. Broadway performers and casting directors will lead. We are thrilled to be offering Dreamers the opportunity to keep up their training, stay engaged, and continue on their journey to success in a dynamic, flexible, and safe environment. Broadway Dreams founder and president, Annette Tanner, said in a statement, To date, the organization has served over 12,000 students around the world and as the organization prioritizes training for youth of all socioeconomic backgrounds, awarded over $1 million in financial needs-based scholarships. Alumni of the program have gone on to star in Broadway and national touring productions of The Book of Mormon, SpongeBob SquarePants, Hamilton, and more. Please visit Playball.com to learn more and find out how to register. Page 4. Here is your USITT report. Costume designer Renee Garcia is the feature today in their series of posts from designers whose productions were canceled or postponed due to the global COVID-19 pandemic. Renee was the costume designer for Oklahoma State University's Department of Theater's production of Bye Bye Birdie, where she is also an assistant professor. Here's what Renee said about her designs. The concept for the costumes of Bye Bye Birdie is the contrast between the two worlds in the musical, the stark black and white world of New York City and the bright and colorful world of Sweet Apple, Ohio. The ensemble and townspeople of Sweet Apple were designed to be dressed in bright colors. The character of Rosie as an outsider transitioned from the New York City world and gradually starts to blend into the Sweet Apple world as her costumes become more colorful because Conrad Birdie remains an aloof outsider his costumes remain in the New York City world. Please check out USITT's Facebook page to view her work. In yesterday's episode of Alliance Theaters Ask an Artist series, technical director Ruth Richardson and scenic de- charge artist and set designer Kat Conley went over the process of building the set for the company's production of Naked Mole Rat Gets Dressed, The Rock Experience, which features some excellent insight and imagery. Please visit the Alliance Theater. On YouTube. Continuing on, from USITT's New at Noon Design Showcase East. Design Showcase East was founded in 2001 by Southern Methodist University as a way to present our recent MFA graduates to the New York City market. Shortly after the showcase was founded, Jim Gage of the University of Cincinnati and the College Conservatory of Music and Kit Marsh of Brooklyn College City University of New York joined the event and expanded it to include both BFA and MFA students. The event serves as a job fair, portfolio review, and a welcome to New York for the generation of designers. This year, in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, the Design Showcase East will be held virtually May 9th through the 11th. You can take a little time out of your day to contact them, set up a phone call or a Zoom interview, and discuss their portfolios. A phone call is the least we can do to help celebrate their graduation and entry into the profession. Also, USITT member and ETCP certified rigger Ethan Gibson has recently started up a new podcast titled Shackles, Burlap, and Lies, which will focus on the entertainment rigging industry and the people in it. Each episode, Ethan will talk with different individuals about topics ranging from their journey into the business to their thoughts on the current industry. Two episodes have produced and uploaded already and can be listened to now at com. That's Services.com. Continuing on of designers whose work was canceled or postponed, graduate student at at UF School of Theater and Dance, Tyler Rankin, is another one in the series of posts. Tyler was the scenic designer for his school's production of Macbeth. Included in the post are images including a digital picture rendering done using SketchUp and Lumion, a picture of the model box constructed by Tyler's two undergrad assistants, Laurel Arnold and Clint Sumopong, and a picture of where the set was built up to until he and his team halted the production. Here's what Tyler said about his design. The concept for this production is seeing the world of Macbeth through a contemporary lens that showcases a political system that deceptive and flawed on all sides, causing the world to corrode and fall to ruin. The team wanted to showcase the parties of the political system by having the actions carried out, known among everyone, and working as a silent party to push actions forward. The floor is designed to be a mirror service, to showcase when the actors deliver the soliloquies, not only to the audience, but themselves, to truly reflect on the actions they are doing. Brett Sillity, a senior at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts, was the winner of the 2020 Richard Hay Undergraduate Scene Design Award, part of the USITT YDMT Awards. In this article, you can read about Brett's scenic design journey and view some of her extraordinary work on some of the productions she has been a part of. This article is posted at uncsa.edu. You can also find a link through USITT's Facebook page and finally usitt would like to extend an immense thank you to the to the nurses of all to all the nurses on national nurses day to all the healthcare workers around the world who have continued to work in the midst of this global pandemic usitt appreciates you each and every day before i conclude today's podcast I want to once again extend my gratitude to the members of our armed services, to our healthcare workers, to our nurses and doctors, to our first responders, the police, fire, and emergency service officers around the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please join me in continuing to support these women and men as they face this near impossible task of saving lives in the face of such great adversity. Please support your local food bank and shelters If possible, donate blood at one of your local Red Crosses. Be sure to check in on the elderly and support those who have special needs. Reach out to a friend and help not only make their day, but also improve your own. I'd like to conclude with this quote from Arnold Schwarzenegger. He said, if you don't find the time, if you don't do the work, you don't get the results. I encourage anyone and everyone that today may be tough, but tomorrow will be better. My name is Richard Brandt, and I have been your host. It's May 7th, 2020. This has been the Corona Chronicles, Day 56. Take care, be well, and good night. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions on how to make this podcast better, please send them to ArchiveTT24 at yahoo.com. Again, that's ArchiveTT24 at yahoo.com.